Hi, welcome to Out of the Box Stories. I'm your host, Allison Paradise. Our guest is Bernie Youngblood. Bernie and I met many years ago at the very beginning of Migraine Lab, and he was one of the first champions of the organization, of the cause, of all the work that we were doing. So much so that he joined the board at a very early stage and helped the organization grow into what it is today. I wasn't sure where our conversation was going to go because Bernie's been up to a lot of things since his departure from Migraine Lab. And our conversation starts in a place of discussing the challenges that nonprofits face. Bernie joined me from his home in Troy, Michigan. Hi, Bernie. Hello, Alice in Paradise. I'm so happy to be here today. I was so excited. I'm so happy you're here. So excited when you suggested that I might be the next guest on the Out of the Box podcast. Why are you so excited? Oh, because you're a very interesting individual. And we always talk about such wonderful things. I'm excited that you're here. Also, you're the one who's going to be sharing stories, so it's good. I do have stories to share. Many different <laughs> stories. I don't know if they I don't know if you're gonna like the stories, but we can talk about it. Okay. Let's start with the beginning story of how we met. So I can tell you what it was. May fifth, twenty fourteen. A day which shall live in infamy. Whoa, almost exactly nine years ago. So I was I enrolled in the Trade Line Research Facilities Conference at the Hilton San Diego because I was in the autoclave business. And the products that uh, we were offering, uh, we believed, offered some sustainable qualities. And we were looking for ways to uh, actually share that message with the world. Uh, and then I, I stumbled upon your information. I don't remember precisely how. But I, I managed to trick you into a meeting because uh, obviously I was impressed with what my green lab was doing. And I had thought at the time that if we could get some recognition from my green lab, it would of course benefit everyone. And you, for some reason you agreed to meet with me. I don't know why. So we met at Aqua. A-C-Q-U-A, I think that's how you pronounce that, at the Hilton San Diego in Mission Bay, California. Um, and we met for coffee, and we had a lovely chat. And I think it, 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 it changed the trajectory of my life. Uh, obviously, we now know. You know the, uh, this is nine years later. We now know for certain. So what, what what impressed me most uh, was not, of course, you because you're a, you're a very impressive individual, but more so your ambition. The uh, you you had identified a problem, a problem with the world, and you'd set about the task of solving that problem. You didn't have the answer, but you knew that it was something that had to be addressed. And you were going to keep knocking on it until, until you solved it. Uh, and I was awestruck 
by your ambition. Um, because of course, uh, it was a it was a monumental task that you had you had just begun, and mm -hmm. I of course had the privilege of bearing witness to the struggle, uh, all the struggles that you did go through. But of course, in the end, you won, which I never doubted. I have to tell you. So, um, yeah, that, that was a that was a hell of a day. Yeah, it changed my life too. Well, I don't know if it changed it for the better, but the uh, it did. <laughs> perhaps you were the first person I met who was in industry, who actually heard what I had to say and saw it. Well, obviously we had a connection. I think you were you. I, I like to think I'm, I'm. 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 I like to think I have some degree of authenticity, and I know you. What you what else, and what you see is what you get. So, um, you are one hundred and ten percent authentic. So, that was a that was an easy connection to make. And and of course, speaking in a, in a, in a gratuitous manner for the business, it, it made perfect sense to bring your organizations together because the products had a lot to offer, and your organization was in the business of um, shedding light. On, on products, services, uh, um, strategies, processes, and such that, uh, of course, made a difference. Mm -hmm. So, yes. And then you joined the board. Oh, my goodness. Well, the <clears throat> I had a chance to meet Adam and Lori and the other folks on the board all very impressive individuals and i had a curiosity i'd never been i never worked really uh, too closely with, with the nonprofit sector uh, but you had open, opened my eyes to it and i had a curiosity as to what it is that we could do and i thought well the best way to do that is get on because then i have a bird's eye view of what's going on but it was it was it was an amazing experience of course because we you're working with a, a group of highly motivated in, individuals. So it, that motivation rubs off. And so um, that was a wonderful experience. And we had our of course had a startup nonprofit that is struggling with the world as it was back then. Oh, could we return to the world as it was back then? Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> the, um, we, of course, had our struggles, as all new organizations do. But, uh, of course, what brought us together was the common goal of solving the problem, of course, that we had set about to solve. I wasn't, the, um, I, my departure, of course, my world eventually changed. Uh, and I, I, I uh, left the organization that brought me to your doorstep. Um, and so with that, I had to, I had to make a number of changes. So I, I was... I was very sad to have to then leave at some future date, I forget when, uh, years later. But um, it, it was a formative experience. And now, of course, I'm doing a lot of work with nonprofits, so obviously it's stuck. Something rubbed off on me. What are you up to now? It's, it's been a remarkable journey. I, I spent some time after leaving the autoclave business I spent some time with a commercial oven manufacturer, launching a national program 
helping to relaunch a national program for them. And then once we got that underway, it was time for me to move on. I moved, to, moved on to a security company and built a, built a cannabis practice for that firm. And once that was done, it was time for me to move on. I, I, I swore I'd never do it again, but I had a momentary lapse in, in judgment following the pandemic. And I started another company. This company, of course, with the goal of bringing together for-profits, non-profits, and artists' communities for the benefit of all three. And of course, it was during that time that once again, the fates brought us together. I think it was, it was three days, five days after I left the security company that I checked my LinkedIn, which of course you, you hardly ever use. You saw that I was looking for something different and you reached out and you described the epicenter, your current work to me. I think it took me about 30 seconds uh, before we can fact check that if you like. It took me about 30 seconds to really grok the concept that you were trying to explain to me in, and I was in, of course, because it aligned with everything that I wanted to do, nonprofits, for-profits, and artists and such. So yeah, I was in hook, line, and sinker. So that's been that's been a journey all to itself. It's been it's been a little it's been and that, that was two years ago, of course. Um, and so much has happened since. Of course, as as we emerged from the pandemic and the world's changed, it's not the same world that existed ten years ago. It's been a struggle for many of us to really find our footing where we go from here and of course with with my current organization i'm trying to help other nonprofits and for-profits find their footing but having the opportunity from time to time because i know we're not able to work together full-time yet but having the opportunity from time to time to get involved in what the applicant is doing does remind me and provide me the opportunity to really do something important. Um, there's a lot of ways, a lot of ways you can spend your time in the world, the modern world as it currently exists. There aren't a great deal of options available for doing things that are worthwhile. And so, yeah, somehow, strangely, Whenever you and I get together, we seem to find we seem to find a way to really put a debt in the universe, as they used to say. Um, so that's been a long journey. I don't know if we're halfway there yet, but we are making progress. So. Oh, we're not even I close. We're like one one thousand. Well, yes. I'm being generous. I think we're more than a thousand, but. I think we're, we're a lot further along than you think, but um, we've got a long way to go. So, yes. What is it about this space that that attracts you, this sort of early stage, on the cusp of failure? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> you know, startups and entrepreneurs and such, it, yeah. it's, um, it's sad. It really is sad, but... Um, on the one hand, as many people would say, I get bored easily. 
And so I find myself moving on. If I can't, as I've always said, if I can't, if I can't make a contribution, I leave because hey, life's short. And if I can't add value, you know, adios, as the expression goes. On the other hand, we've got a lot of problems in the world today, more problems, some people would say, than we used to have. And yeah, as the old saying goes, never under, underestimate the power of a small group of people to make a real change in the world. That's the only thing that ever has. But the, what, what's even more sad than that is we, we've, long, we've, we've known for quite some time that large organizations are not able to innovate. But in fact, it's the, the situation has gotten even worse. Um, you know, you go back to Xerox Park, and, and there's all kinds of examples of large, you know, Kmart invented the Home Depot concept. They invented the Costco concept. They invented so many, you know, what are now multi-billion dollar industries. Um, Xerox Park invented the graphic user interface, the mouse, Ethernet goes on and on and on. So many multi-billion dollar industries. Kodak invented the digital camera. I mean, it's, it's remarkable. Even when these large organizations are able to innovate, they, they kill it. Or they don't recognize it. They certainly don't foster it. They don't grow it. Um, and that you know, goes without saying. Well, the situation has actually grown even worse today because our culture, as it exists today, abhors innovation. What our, what our culture rewards is copycat. Everyone wants the next Instagram. Everyone wants the next big uh, whatever. If it's some kind of a shoe, if it's some kind of a movie, Hollywood's making their ninth, 10th, and 12th iterations of the movies that they've made money on. Are, it's not so much that, that large, organiza large organizations are, are not fostering or in fact killing innovation, is that we have we have somehow landed at a point in our history where we actually abhor innovation. And I choose that word very carefully. Um, so the Shark Tank is a terrific example. There's not too, not too many original ideas land on Shark Tank. And more often than not, the ones that get funded are not original. Uh, because it, it's, it's, it's common sense. Investors want to bet on a sure thing. Investors do not want to, don't want to put money behind novel concepts because they have, they want to see a track record. They want to see cash flow. This is you know this is basic stuff. You can't blame them, of course. But at the same time, as the expression goes, we, you know, we're not going to solve the problems that we that we face today at the level of thinking you know, which we arrived at them. And so, coming full circle, I'd like to, if I have the opportunity. I will always focus the bulk of my attention on that na nascent area of the market where these innovations and these ideas do occur. Because in my mind, it's it's it, if we do have a hope of bending the curve that we're currently on, it's going to take place at the nexus of, of where those ideas do occur. If I have talents to offer the it is in those areas where I want to apply my talents. It's something I'm very sincere about. Um, and it, I, I wish I could wave a magic wand and solve all these problems. I can't, but I'm certainly not going to contribute to the, not going to contribute to the problems by working on the other side of the equation.
Wow. Sorry, that was so beautifully articulated. Well, thank you. It's something I've been wrestling with for a long time. There's very few people who who would even take a moment to even consider what this is what this is all about but yeah therein lies the challenge have you always been like this have you always been able to see something immediately and know what it's going to become oh no 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 and i'm wrong more than i'm right (laughs) so i i am the uh what's the expression I'm wrong more than I'm right, but, you know, it's better to take a chance than to do nothing at all. I have found that in my, in my experience, the longer we have to solve a problem, the more likely it is we're going to arrive at the outcome. Given infinite time, we can solve any problem, even without a supercomputer. But, um, so, if we have the luxury of time, we can fix it. And... So it's been more of a struggle in buying time. So I, I think I, I, in my, when I lay out the strategy for any idea or organization, a lot of my focus is around how do we buy time to get this done? Because it's not likely to happen quickly. <laughs> and if it does, hey, that's great. But no, we got to build time into the equation. Which, of course, is a challenge all to itself because all the usual reasons. It's a very astute observation. Very, very true in my experience. Yeah. It's, it's about yes. hanging on. You know, you keep going and you keep hanging on. And as long as you can hang on, it will eventually come. Tell me more about the work that you're up to that's not the epicenter. What else are you working on that you are excited about? Oh, my goodness. So one of the other battles I'm fighting right now um, is this world, you know, the non it's the nonprofit space. And obviously you have a lot more experience there than I do, to be sure. But what I what I'm saddened by is the non um, the, the arena of nonprofits. And you know, my passions are threefold. It's human trafficking, women's rights, and as well as childhood development. What I'm most saddened by is I work with a number of different organizations in the nonprofit space, and I find, and a lot of people talk about how, well, nonprofits aren't run very well, and they're run by organizations that, you know, folks wear their hearts on their sleeves, and, and so on and so forth. Um, and that's one of the problems, and, and so that's why I insert excuse here. But what, in my actual experience, what I found is the challenge with nonprofits is not that they wear their heart on the sleeve. It's not really a challenge. I mean, it's an issue, but it's not really a challenge. The, the, the challenge I'm finding with the nonprofits that I'm working with is, of course, is the, 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 um, the way it used to be, and still is in fact today, in the arena of fundraising, nonprofits are engineered to either be supported by grants or private donors or foundations and bequests and family offices and so on and so forth. And Rockefeller established a, a whole uh, um, pattern 
of course, being able to support the nonprofits that you want to support. But what I found in my, in my limited experience is this practice of depending upon grants and, and foundations and so on and so forth. And to forgive, if you, if you can forgive the analogy, puts these groups in a box. So, and, and because, and you've, you've done it. If you write a grant, of course, you receive this funding, but the application of that funding is limited, of course, by the stipulations of the grant. So, and you can run an organization like that, but um, it, it's very restrictive in, ter in terms of allowing an organization to grow. And in the world in which we live, the pace of change is only going to continue to accelerate. And to be able to get up every day and be tied down by 32 strings makes it very difficult to run, right? Let alone grow an organization. And my frustration is that the industry, and you know me, I, I don't I don't accept anybody's excuses. The industry says, no, it's fine. The way things are is just the way things are, and we can't change that. And to me, that doesn't make any sense. And we're not coming back, we're not going back to the world we left. It's perfectly clear that the world has changed permanently. Um, and you insert you know, AI and all the hullabaloo of what's going on out there. It should be perfectly clear that the pace of change is only going to continue to accelerate. I'm concerned that we're going to, an entire sector of our economy is going to slowly wither away and die. This is, of course, in the news, you read about how nonprofits are growing. And these articles I see from time to time, that's not precisely the case. Because the nonprofits they talk about are political nonprofits, are hospital nonprofits, and other uh, institutions, right? And of course, the, the largest nonprofits, they don't innovate. Right? That, they have the same challenges, the largest for-profits. This is not what I believe to be the core of the nonprofits that have kept our culture together so effectively for so long. You layer on top of that the fact that our, our current tax code disincentivizes contributing to charity in a very large way most recently and it really foretells a future that's not very bright and I, I i i i don't i don't want nonprofits to be dependent upon grants for their operations i don't want them i don't want nonprofits to be dependent on wealthy families to decide whether or not they live or die i don't want nonprofits to be constrained by all the limits that are placed upon them by the, by the funding sources that they've long been dependent upon. I believe that there are other avenues available to them if they could just open their eyes to the possibilities. I mean, you're speaking everything that I experienced running my green lab. I mean, it was exactly that. So frustrating all the time to make progress and then be hamstrung by some funding limitation or somebody saying, well, you're a nonprofit, so everything you do should be free, as if the money was coming from thin air. It's why the epicenter is not a nonprofit. I haven't, I haven't cracked the code on this yet, but I think things are evolving to the point of which 
the, the, the solution is going to begin to reveal itself. The, the four prophets that exist in the world today have lost access to Madison Avenue. Madison Avenue's gone. TV, radio, print advertising, it's, forget about it. It's going away. Um, even, you know, Facebook ads, pay-per-click, all that, you know, billboards, forget about it. It's going away. The, the, uh, we don't watch television commercials anymore. We don't pay attention. We, we avoid advertising, even in social media. You can't swipe fast enough when you see an ad pop up. All those, all those, the, the, the entire space that supported the ability of a for-profit to be able to build their brand and sell their products has already evaporated or is evaporating now. Now, while at the same time, particularly through the pandemic, people that have never been more in touch with the causes that they believe in than, than, than they are today. And they want organizations, forget about environmental, social governance and all this, consumers want their organizations to believe in the things that they believe in. Yeah, there's limitations of profit and product and so on and so forth within reason, but they, they want those causes to be represented. And, and, and at the same time, the artists, of course, that we that we listen, that we want to give the microphone to, are, are taking such a prominent role in our life, and so the question becomes: How do we bring this all together for the benefit of all of us? Because we want to give the microphone to the artist, we want our causes to be properly shepherded, and. And we, we want, you know, of course, the products. We want the products that we want. This is an opportunity. Uh, I haven't, as I said, I haven't cracked the code on it yet. But as folks mourn the loss of television advertising, and they mourn the loss of brand building through all these traditional channels, I want to make sure people understand that new avenues are opening to them. All they have to do is open their eyes and recognize those opportunities. And not, of course, um, not forget that the world has changed. So how are you envisioning art helping to support nonprofits? Oh, so there's, not, there's a number of ways that we have to approach that. So the, um, one, of my fun, one, of the, one of the more entertaining examples is, and you're going to love this one, because um, I don't think we've talked about it yet. There is a television um, a commercial series, it's been around for a, a while now, that's sponsored by Allstate, that's called Mayhem. And uh, these television commercials are basically some dude getting run over by a car, getting hit by lightning, falling off a roof, any number of things. And it's, it's played by an actor that people are fairly well, um, well recognized. And in each of these cases, this man is injured or the car is wrecked, or the house burns down, and he turns to the camera and he says, better make sure you're, you have proper insurance or fill in the blank. And I love these commercials uh, because of a number because of a number, uh, number of reasons. A, they're entertaining. They're better than just someone, a spokesperson, talking about how great a product is. They're entertaining. They're different. Every one of them is different. There's a hundred different ways they approach this. The... Um, they they provide as a marketing guy. I love brands. They 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 provide brand building and product representation, right? 
all encapsulated within this nice tight shell. In this execution, there's not a non-profit involved that I'm aware of. Well, this is art. These are very entertaining skits. These, this is theater, if you will, theater in television commercial format that entertains. And so the use, the, the, the casual observer, um, of course, gains entertainment, gains knowledge. You know, if they're so inclined, they can investigate the product. It does not take away from the experience. Um, it's the union of for-profits and artists in, 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 to accomplish their ends. Um, an, an, another example you know, comes when quite often you have an artist who, from the stage, They'll say, hey, I had a, a sister who was sick and they, they tried this particular medicine and that helped them, right? Or um, they, um, there's a disaster relief project underway and the, um, we can go back to We Are the World, right? There's a number of these that, that, that have occurred over the years, but when you have artists take a stand for you know, some disaster relief situation, the for-profits send in, you know, crates of, uh, of bottled water. The artist does a free concert to raise money. The um, uh, and of course the nonprofits are there, right, orchestrating Salvation Army, so on and so forth, to provide relief. Um, a perfect example of the union of all three. The key there being, how do we develop additional executions of this, right? Not very difficult. Um, you look at every instance, you know, every opportunity we have um, we deconstruct it according to these rules there's always a way to put it back together in order to leverage these these platforms Bernie thank you for sharing all of these ideas of course I always enjoy speaking with my friend Alice I enjoy speaking with you honestly I just love that you think of things so differently in, in the way that you do it gives me so much to ruminate on and kind of pushes my perspective a bit. And I really appreciate that. I'm going to be thinking about this for a while. Thank you. I appreciate that. Of course. I will, I will talk to you soon then. Looking forward to it. All right. Be good. Thank you. Have a good night.